beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our faithful God gave us once again a marvelous, blessed day today. But he provided another day of the Lord to us. In Scripture, day of the Lord then has different shades of meanings. It's a day of God's own Sabbath, the day God joyfully rested after his creation work. Next, God also ordained a special day of worship for his people, a day to honor him as a covenant God. A man should express then full dependence on him. At the same time, on the day of the Lord, God's people needed to celebrate their deliverance from evil, from the evil of the slavery in Egypt. God's people there received freedom. They received new life. And for the New Testament church, for us, that's in principle the same, namely that we have freedom and new life. But for us, it is more clearer, even more glorious. Freedom, we have freedom from sin, freedom from the devil, even freedom from death through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that redemptive work of our triune God links us to a still another day of the Lord, the day of Christ that will usher in the renewal of the new heaven and earth. So to recap the meaning of the day of the Lord, his day celebrates creation life. It celebrates the restoration of earthly life, and even more gloriously, the celebration of eternal life on the renewed earth and heaven. And then every Sunday, also as today, the Sunday as the earthly Lord's day, we may celebrate already then a foretaste of everlasting bliss. In fact, loved ones, we could say that every Sunday in church, we are getting the call to get ready for the glorious life of the Lord, with all his people. And as on the Lord's day on this earth, also now this morning here, we don't celebrate only past acts and actions of redemption, but our worship celebration here is a preparation of the most glorious day of the Lord to come. You could call that day the glorious beginning of the unimaginable feasting at the reunion of Christ with all his people. And so let's dwell on the scripture truth with the theme, the Holy Scripture gives us the perspective of the upcoming glorious reunion of Christ with his people. 
our, and then all the emphasis on our, our forthcoming reunion makes us live with sure hope, makes us trust God's Christ's work, and makes us wait for a grand ceremony. So the theme is Holy Scripture gives us the perspective of the upcoming re glorious reunion of Christ with his people. First, then, our forthcoming reunion makes us live with sure hope. Brothers and sisters, the first letter to the Thessalonians is an upbeat letter of Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. These apostles had planted church in Asia and Europe. And after they had moved on, moved on to another place, the apostles still kept in contact with the churches they had planted. Then they wrote letters and they made visits. They did so also to this church in Thessalonica. And as the, the letter to the Thessalonians, the first one shows, the, the apostles are very happy about that spiritual life in this congregation. For as a fruit of the gospel, the communion of saints there in Thessalonica is flourishing. The members show Christian love to one another. And they show even Christian love to believers elsewhere. They also don't shy away from suffering for their faith. In all that, they are examples of others. Next to praise, the apostles also give reminders of the need to live a holy life in obedience to God's law. And God's people need such instruction. But what do God's people, what do we need as well? Indeed, that is encouragement and comfort in times of suffering. In Christ's church, people hear about God's help and nearness in life with death situations. You will hear that expression more this morning. We live a life, we live in a life with death. We live in life with death situations. And that phrase indicates that life and death are not merely separate realities, congregation. Life and death are not separate realities. Since the beginning from the garden, life goes with death. We read in the book of Genesis, from the ground you are taken. For dust you are, to dust you will return. So in all our life here, we are followed by the shadow of death. And at a certain time, the dark veil will inevitably overshadow us completely. 
and then we are gone from this earth. That's the trauma of man's life. It doesn't take much, and it can overwhelm us very suddenly. And we experience that he or she, our loved ones, are gone. No more here. Well, the Thessalonians of our text had to grapple with that experience. In a short period of time, the congregation seemed to have lost some loved members through death. And now, the classic explanation of our text, this uh, this passage, is that the congregation of Thessalonica is very disturbed because those loved ones died before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now they will miss out of that great blessing. And therefore they were greatly worried by the question, would those dead members indeed miss out on the benefit and glory of participating in Christ's glorious return? Would perhaps their hope be dashed? Well, one could read that situation indeed in our text. However, it's better to see the apostles here uh, that they don't treat dashed hope but they are confirming and strengthening the believer's Christian hope. That's what they also encourage to do, that the members should do, encourage one another. That's exactly what the apostles in this letter are doing. They are encouraging the believers in Thessalonica. They give them comfort, what they need. Loved ones. That's very much needed in a situation of deep sorrow and grief. In such cases, believers don't need to hear long stories, much less to hear what they miss or what they do now have to do. No, no, in grief. And the people there indeed were dipped in deep grief. Such people simply need to be assured of the only comfort in life with death. Then one should keep away from human platitudes as, I am thinking of you. I am sure you will miss your loved ones. I will visit you. Beloved, grieving people are not waiting for what you think or what you will do. Instead, speak a word, an encouraging word of Christian sure hope. Like you read the apostles do here to the Thessalonians. How did you do that? How do they strengthen their, their hope? Well, the ESV says in verse 13, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. Well, that start 
of giving their comforting assurance about the Christian hope, that start gives the impression as if the Thessalonians are kind of totally ignorant about the manner of Christ's blessed return. Luther, we all know Luther, and that he also translated as one of the first ones the Bible in, uh, in the, their own language, in the people's own language. Luther's translation gives a different direction. His German text in English means something like, and it connects with the apostles' previous teaching in which he had encouraged them uh, to continue to live a God-fearing life in obedience to his will. So he continues, they continues their ongoing teaching. And furthermore, loved ones, we don't like you to overlook that with regard to those who have fallen asleep, you should not grieve as do others who have no hope. So a better translation is indeed Luther's one that loved ones, we don't like you to overlook that with regard to those who have fallen asleep, you should not grieve as do others who have no hope. You see, the basis for the encouragement about having a God-fearing life, verse 4, 1 to 12, that basis for a God-fearing life was the apostles' instruction when the congregation was formed, when they were there for the first time. They gave that instruction. And well, that first instruction would also have been the teaching regarding the end times. They didn't leave the congregation there uninformed. But the book of Acts shows, shows that an important theme of the apostolic preaching to the nations was the joyful, exactly the joyful truth of glorious life after death, that is, eternal life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then to continue to live with the Lord in heaven their soul will be with the Lord. And then, together with the bodies, we'll be united, be raised to great glory. That's an elementary part of the New Testament gospel preaching. And the apostles, therefore, refer to this truth as our great Christian comfort. And observe as well that they include themselves as living in that comfort. The apostles have the same comfort. For they speak, did you notice? They speak in the plural. They speak in the we form. We, the text reads, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. That is the common belief of the apostles in the congregation, Thessalonica. And so, with great certainty, the gospel is affirmed to them. That's what they needed in the circumstances to be assured people of the Lord. Those who died, 
those who died in Christ are not dead. Their death was, so to speak, a holy moment. But at that point of breathing their last, they were lovingly received in the eternal presence of the Lord, enjoying with him heavenly glory. Oh, true, true. Their bodies were buried in the ground as a seed that for some time would slumber in the earth. And that's why here death is referred to as sleep. The ones that passed away, they were asleep, we read. And so you know also that Scripture often speaks about death as sleep. Yet, God's people, including our loved ones who died, will be woken up again. They will rise again at Jesus' day. And thus, the sure hope given here is, even by death, congregation, even by death, the bond with the Savior, Jesus Christ, is not broken. And God's children will see each other again. In other words, we as believers don't lose each other. You hear that rightly. We as believers, we do not lose each other. This sure hope gives rest and peace. Yes, great comfort indeed. Loved ones, when death strikes in our midst, and who knows, when that will happen. Remember, life goes with death. Well, when the dark veil of death is, is cast over us, extend then to each other the truth of Christian faith as we hear the apostles talking and teaching about. And do so with the empathy, empathy one learned from Christ and his apostles. Include yourself. Jesus is the way through our broken, even through our dead life. He is the light for our hope. And that's the same as to say he is our life. Always. So in life and death, Live with death. Cleave to him with all your heart, mind, and strength. Radiate your Christian hope. At the same time, the apostolic teaching encourages us always to hold on to do so in full trust of Christ's word. of Christ's own words. As at his return, we expect a living Christ. So with him, the dead too will return alive, each with their glorified bodies. In that sure hope, we need actively live towards the day of that great 
reunion of Christ with all his people. And those are not merely the words of Paul, Silvanus, or Silas, and Timothy. No, in their letter they refer explicitly, they refer uh, to the Lord's own words. Many, many explainers don't know now where do we find then the Lord's own words that the apostles refer to. They can't find them. Now, in reaction to such uncertainty, we should ask, what then does God's word in the Old Testament and New Testament say about the hope of God's children? Also the Old Testament, because the Lord Jesus Christ, time and again, he referred back to the Old Testament. And the Old Testament anticipates already the great harvest of all God's people into glory. A very clear reference is, I can encourage you to read a passage, Daniel 7. There in Daniel 7, the gathering in of people into one nation was promised in connection with the Son of Man, who in the New Testament is Jesus, our Lord. Yes, eternal life through him was the Old Testament people's expectation. Then and there already. The Psalms express often the conviction of God's people that eternal God is their portion. God is their heritage. Psalm 16, one, also Psalm 17, 73, others. Well, if God is our portion, if he is our heritage, then God's children, we are eternal. And so we will live. And that's also the expectation of New Testament believers. Think of Simeon, Anna, just to mention a few. Then think then of the Lord's own teaching indeed. The Lord's own teaching about the end times. Jesus says, Matthew 24, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send the angels with a loud trumpet call. They will gather the elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. And this morning we read Mark 13. There too we read about the world and heaven-wide ingathering, the ingathering from the earth, from the heavens, of all the people at his return, at his, his coming. Once again, beloved, there our Lord refers to himself as the Son of Man. He will come on the clouds. A great call and a trumpet blast will be heard. Angels will be sent out to gather the chosen ones. And then the remarkable point is that the ingathering will happen from the earth, but also from heaven. And so, in Jesus' own words about the end times, the Lord indicates that he will fulfill God's Old Testament promises and expectation. 
As a son of man, he will bring all God's chosen ones together, uniting them into one nation that will be astounding indeed, the coming together of the multitudes of all God's redeemed people from all places and nations. What a reunion feast and glory that would be. Indeed, from heaven and earth. It's clear that the apostles don't come with their own words of comfort and encouragement here. They don't either in the next, in the second letter to Thessalonians. There they deal with the same topic. Indeed, from God's word and then the Lord's own teaching, the apostles show the marvelous perspective of the coming of the Lord Jesus and the ingathering of all those who are still on the earth with those who are with the Lord now in heaven. Nevertheless, when death strikes, it profoundly unsettles those who are left behind. Their grief isn't easily eased. It overwhelms the, bere the bereaved ones. They're overwhelmed like ocean waves. Everything around them becomes very, very unsettled. There's only one thing that gives rest in deep grief. One thing that can stop unsettledness in the waves of grief. That is Christ's word as an anchor of the soul. That anchor provides peace and rest. You read that in the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 19. Paul and his helpers, therefore, encourage in this passage that is in front of us, the apostles, they encourage us to throw that anchor into heaven. There, Christ prepares our great reunion. Thus, with comfort comes the encouragement. Put, put all your trust in the word of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Even if the apostles talk about it, it's still also the Jesus, the Lord Jesus, who talks to, to us. He is, he is the light. He's our light the Savior of our life. Beloved, since we live in a world of life with death, we need time and again be reminded of this comforting and astounding truth. When we face death, when we suffer the pain of separation through the death of loved ones, we need God's Word we need that anchor so that we be confirmed the separation with one another, that separation 
won't last forever. Because the Lord himself said, With me the dead will come back. We will meet again. And yes, then we will be together forever. And that meeting happens by a wonderful and grand ceremonial event. The upcoming glorious reunion of Christ with his people will happen then in different stages. As we have read, Scripture says it will start off with a loud signal. The dead in Christ will first rise. Then the appearance of the Lord will happen. Next, the joining of the dead and the one still living will take place. And then it's followed by the meeting with the Lord in the air. What a program! So will the reunion be complete and will last forever on the new earth and heaven. The program warrants a little bit focusing on, or warrants repeating. First of all, then, the starting signal is sounded. Together with a call, the voice of an archangel. And also it will followed by a, a, a heavily trumpet blast. Now you know, before in the Old Testament, the Lord God had appeared in such a way also to his people already. Then he appeared in the company of an angel or angels. And then also with loud trumpet blast and sounds. Think of Abram. Abram. The Lord visited him with angels. Think of the people at Mount Sinai. There they met the Lord. They were together also with a trumpet sound. The Old Testament prophets like Daniel and Ezekiel spoke about an earth-shaking appearance of the Lord. Much more impressive does the New Testament book of Revelation. For sure, the day, the day of the coming of Christ from heaven will not escape no one. No one will escape either. They will all see, they will witness that glorious coming, the return of Christ. The participating people then in the great reunion are distinguished into two groups. As prophesied in Ezekiel 37, and in fact also did happen in Matthew 27, when Christ on the cross won the victory over the cause of death on the cross, the tombs of dead opened, and the dead came out raised. Well, that will also be the first grand event on the day of Christ. The dead form the one group, and the one still alive form the other, the second group. So first the dead will come forward. Their grace will open. Then the one still living come. 
in that order. Indeed, those who had died in the Lord will first arise from their graves with glorified bodies. Then those who are left and still alive on earth will also go to meet their Lord. And with them in the twinkling of their eye, they too have then renewed lives, glorified bodies. For they will be changed to immortality. We read that in 1 Corinthians 15. Thirdly, the twofold movement on the clouds will take place. Christ, as it were, comes down on a cloud carriage. And that coming of Christ was already announced by angels at Jesus' ascension into heaven. That Christ would return in that way on the clouds. So what comforting it is to hear that at the day of the Lord, the distinction between the dead and the living will disappear. So, no life with death anymore. The dead are raised forever to heavenly life. And those still alive are changed to the same glorious life. And then all God's holy saints will meet the Lord in the air on the day of the Lord. This will happen, all happen, in a truly festal and ceremonial procession. Christ will be seen as the divine dignitary from heaven. And he will be joined with all his totally renewed people from the earth. Being all together, they will move then to a renewed earth. And then we read, and we are confirmed and assured, then they all will be with the Lord, with the Lord forever and ever. And congregation, beloved, isn't that the message of Christ's gospel through and through? Namely, that God's people, that believers, you and I, who have Christ as our Savior, we have everlasting life, and we will be living with the Lord everlastingly. Loved ones, a passage of our text was written to give us comfort in life with death. In one short sentence, the truth of God's word this morning and the blessing of this truth can be summarized as follows. Blessed, blessed is the one. Blessed are you who trusts in the living God. Because your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is preparing for us his people, for you and me as true Christian believers, the greatest, greatest reunion of all times. And actually we, 
And you yourself are preparing for that splendid feast as well as being already insinuated before. You do so, yes, in celebrating your participation in the great reunion. You do so every, every Sunday, every Lord's Day, in preparation to the Lord's Day. Because in Christ's congregation, you receive a foretaste of that great day, of that enormous event of Christ's reunion with all his people. Doesn't this truth make you very eager to be at church worship services every time and every time again? Oh, loved ones, always be here eagerly in a celebration mood, in praise to your Lord and King. Like the 2023 ICS grad students recently expressed, have always your eyes and minds on Christ's work and Christ's day. Indeed, continue to encourage and comfort one another in your glorious and blessed life in the communion of saints, as you have your sure hope and eternal life, as you have put your trust in your Savior, Jesus Christ, and as you wait with great and eager longing for that grand ceremony of the fourth coming reunion of Christ and all his people, and that will soon happen on the day of the Lord. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign forever and ever more. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Amen.